We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Coming at you a day late and a, well, not a dollar short because the Knicks won a basketball game. And obviously, with that win, all of the problems and concerns and quibbles have vanished into thin air. Like all of the, half the universe when Thanos snapped his finger, it's just magic. Beat the Cavs, hold 91 points, all is well. Is that not right, Jeremy Cohen? That's what we get in the show right now, right? Everything's fine. We're good. Everything, everything's great. You know, everything's great. as long as we don't get called for a travel, I think everything's fine. <laughs> did you like Julius, by the way, after they came? <laughs> it did. <laughs> like, yes. did they, the travels. That was why we played good defense. I mean, just like it was, it was so ridiculous. I was at the game and yeah. everyone was just as dumbstruck as I'm sure people were watching. It was just like the sheer amount of it. And at the end of the game, when they're all holding onto the ball and the clock's running, you know, winding down, just shouting like travel, do a travel, you know, just like for the sake of it. Cause why not add insult to injury and man, ridiculous I, game, but I a was, win. it was a win. I, I was confused because Zach Braziller of the post tweeted out afterwards that it was, I guess, 14 violations, which would be the most in like 25 years. But then today it came out that it was, it was 13, which was the most since 2007. I guess there was a, a discrepancy between like a palming versus a, I don't know, but whatever. It was a lot a of, lot. It was a lot of violations. Yeah. That, that's, that's what happened. Um, well, let's start here. Um, the Knicks had a two and two week. Could you have, <laughs> it, I'm sorry. It's just, it's so funny how, the highs are so high and the lows are just so low because you can't write this. You can't because you can look at it from 10,000 feet up and it's like, yeah. Hey, the Knicks went 500 this past week. And then you zoom in and just every, everything and everyone's on fire. And uh, do, do you think other, other, I don't think other fan bases give a shit about us, but like maybe national media, like people out there in the NBA, do you think they look at the Knicks and like, I guess us as fans this season and they're like, look at these idiots making a mountain out of a molehill. They're a middling team and they're making it like they're in some kind of a, a you know, in the, in the middle of Homer's odyssey here or something. I don't know. I think every fan base seems to go through just chaos. The moment something doesn't go their way. Yeah. Like I, you know, in the sense of like, I see some of Keith Smith stuff because the Celtics are the number one team in the NBA right now and they'll lose a game and you'll just see his mentions. And it's just like, as if, the Celtics were 10 games under 500. Really? It, it just ha like it happens where things can be background. so good. And then there's one thing that goes wrong and suddenly everything goes wrong. Mm. And so it's not just us. It's not just us. It happens across the board. It just so happens that we as Knicks fans think it revolves around us. Yeah. And it does, to be fair. It totally does revolve around us. We are the preeminent fan base, so it should revolve around us. But uh, yeah, it, it happened. It's just fandom. People go crazy, and that's fine. That's what fandom's for. In moderate that fa fan short for short for fanatic, as Andrew always likes to remind yes, us. Um, so the weekend review, 
Uh, I'm looking at the scores right now. I think the Knicks probably ended up this week like outscoring their opponents in total by like 30 points. <laughs> Pretty wild. So obviously, again, all is well. Um, they look at the scores. I see Andrew looking at the scores. He's going to try to prove my math wrong. No, they outscored their opponents in total by about 30 points. Get 25 or so. All right. So they beat the Pistons by 30. That's plus 30. Loss of the Bucks. That's plus 24. Loss of the Mavericks. That's plus three. Mm-hmm. And oh, so I, okay. oh, you know what it was? Yeah, I flipped the Bucks and the the Knicks. I I thought the Knicks. I gave the Knicks one hundred nine in my head, and the Bucks one hundred three. That's my wishful thinking. It's okay. So we still outscored our opponents. We did no by double digits too. That's by the thirty digits. points where I was like, "Did you That's forget true. what happened on much. Saturday?" Um, no, I did not. <laughs> I wish I could. I yeah. wish I could erase that from my memory. Um, and that leaves us here. And the Knicks are eleven and thirteen. Um, they are. Pick your Jalen Brunson buzzer beater attempt away from being 500. Uh, they got some games coming up that we'll talk about later over the next week and a half, two weeks that will give them a chance to get back to 500. But for right now, we are here and there's a lot going on. Um, Jeremy, I feel like we have to start with the most recent Ian Bigley report, which dropped. Was that today? But yeah, so as we're recording this on Monday, right? Dropped earlier today, which basically paints the picture of like, the Knicks won a game, and that's good. Tensions are still high. There is still pressure from in the inside. And for as much as, you know, people may be looking for a change at the head coaching position, um, and I will quote Ian here, Leon Rose is fiercely loyal to Tom Thibodeau. Um, I will just turn it over to you because I've spent the last two post games, you know, three hours worth of time talking about Tom and I've spent the last most of the last two years talking about Tom. I, I, what, what are your thoughts as we are right now with Mr. Thibodeau and the situation? Well, you know me. I am of the belief that I, the best thing moving forward is for the Knicks to find a new head coach. That's just the way I see it. Um, the funny thing is that as we are recording right now, the Knicks are in 10th place. They are half a game behind the Heat who are in ninth place and who at this very moment are losing to the Grizzlies. And you have the Wizards who are tied with the Knicks. They are without Bradley Beal for some time. All of this is to say that as chaotic as each game seems to be on a game-by-game basis, the Knicks are really not that far away from being in the pack. And now I'm sure there are fans who are saying, well, I don't want the Knicks to be middle of the road. I want them to either pick a direction. I want them to either be really good or I want them to be really bad. And I hear that. I hear that hundred percent, but here's the thing. The Knicks front office wants the Knicks to be good. And the fact is that they are really not that far away from being further in. Like look at what's going on in Atlanta where I'm watching Trae them Young, right now. Uh, literally is on my TV in the background. They are down by one to the thunder at home. And they were winning. Atlanta. By double digits, I believe, Um, you know, hey, you know, I do want to make a point about it because like the thing with Tibbs is, yes, teams across the NBA blow double digit leads frequently. It happens. It happens. It has happened more with Tibbs than it has pretty much with other teams. Like, you know, the stats. Can I just give you the the stat that is... I want to make sure everybody knows that I included in the newsletter. I don't think I said it on any of the live streams that there have been, unless it's, unless somebody, somebody else has done this in the last uh, 48 hours, there have been three or eight NBA teams, excuse me, to hit at least 23 field goals, 23, three point field goals in the game this season. Three of those eight teams have done it against the Knicks and nobody else has done it more than once. So like, there is, you know, again, once is an accident, twice is a coincidence, three times a trend. Like this is happening a lot here. Now, granted, after that happened, the Knicks came out and did put forth a very nice effort on yeah. Sunday, which we we do have. It is whether you love Tibbs like me or you, or you are more out on Tibbs like you. I think that should at least be acknowledged. Hundred percent. And again, it, Knicks did a nice job defensively. It's also a make or miss league. I mean, JB Vickerstaff even mentioned how the looks were there. The, the yeah. Cavs just did not hit the shots. And I think that it's almost like the Cavs did a really poor job of executing from beyond the three-point line. This game, the previous one in Cleveland, they were red hot. 
So I haven't averaged the two out, but I would imagine it's somewhere in the middle based on how hot they were and how cold they were this oh, yeah. previous game. Yeah, they hit uh, eight, they had 24, the la- 23 or 24 the last time, eight this time. So like still over 15 a, a game. Not bad. Yeah. So it, it, I'm, I'm happy that the result was obviously a win, especially because I really didn't want to be in, there in person for another loss. And also because John, I don't know if you noticed, but I did win again this week, but it's neither here nor there. You know, uh, I swear to God, I forgot what <laughs> we picked last time. I did not. <laughs> I thought that the Mavs game was going to be the one that I got. And boy, was it. And then the third quarter happened and then it wasn't. And then I had to wait for the Cavs game, but I digress. So that's uh, with, with Ian Bagley talking about how Leon really wants to kind of do right by tips. And I'm paraphrasing here, but just he wants to feel like he's giving him an adequate opportunity. Again, I still feel like there is the adequate opportunity. We won't really know a lot of it until coaching would inevitably change. If that even happens, don't really know. But um, it's it feels like the window, and I never say never, but it feels like the window for where Tibbs would potentially be fired is kind of closed. Yes, it could occur. It could always occur this season, 100%. There's not the easiest schedule, but it's like, you know, they, they managed to win enough games when it matters where he keeps his job. It doesn't uh, feel like there's ever a moment where the other shoe drops. It feels like it's looming, but it never fully drops to the well, point they, where they have a reason. And, and, and granted, if they feel like he's not the right coach for the job, they should just let him go. But clearly, there is a degree where they feel like he is still the best person for the job. And I'm... I've had those conversations on here way too many times of less fears. I don't have the energy for another one now. I'll just say a couple of brief things. One, sitting here today, and I think you've made this point in different words over the course of the last year plus. If you're like, why do the Knicks need to keep Tom Thibodeau as their head coach? At this point, like, I'm not sure I could sit here and give like a great answer. I could say words. That makes sense in conjunction with one another. Do I really ve- like? Am I, do I, it's it's more it's more other reasons why I think you should keep the job, and it's more like is it really his fault versus like, well, here is why Tom Thibodeau must continue to be the man to lead this team for these clear reasons one, two, and three. Like I I can't sit here and do that at this point. For all I know, Johnny Bryan could take over tomorrow, and like you know, it could it could be better because again, we've seen it be really bad. And um, that is just a reality. Whether you love Tibbs or you hate Tibbs, you have to at least acknowledge that it is very bad. On the flip side of that very same coin, you said it yourself. They're 11 and 13. They're about, they're right in it. There were more or less, give or take a a Brunson buzzer beater. Um, They're where they probably should be. So do you fire a coach for that reason? Well, as you said, if you don't believe he's the right man for the job, uh, I, I would think a sound organization would fire the coach. Which leads me to my penultimate point, which is that I wonder if we should be getting more, if we should be more, um, not upset, upset's the wrong word, uh, some more PTSD uh, setting in because it seems like from the reporting, it's not Leon Rose that would be making this decision. It would be James Dolan. And I know how I feel about that, which is that I don't like going back to the point where the owner is stepping in over and above the president of basketball operations to potentially make what is ostensibly a basketball decision. Um, I don't love that. Do you? Are you, does that bother you at all, or or do you feel well, differently? It's it's a hop, skip, and a jump, right? Because to me, it's not like. I want to take away the fear of what could happen, right? Because that's totally out of our control. We have no idea what's going to be the case. And so I don't want to put it on like, well, it means that Dolan has to have the final say. And if Dolan has to say, then he's, he's getting involved in this and he's getting Can I involved. Clarify? That's a problem. Yes. I, I'm, I'm not saying, fi- I'm not saying um, what, we, what was reported at the all-star break last year, which is that Dol- like Dolan went to them like, if you want to do this, you can do this. My impression this is just my impression from the reporting. Doesn't have to be anybody else's impression is that, it would be Dolan going 
over Leon Rose and being like, I'm sick of this fucking shit. He's fired, you know, and you know, you guys handle it from there. Yeah, no, that's how I took it. As so, okay. I'm glad to know that how it was said was how it was received. Yes, yes. Okay. Again, I think that it's cross. It's it's crossing a path where it's it's like we create a situ- We create a scenario that has not existed yet, and then we fear that scenario. Okay. That's fair. And then go to it. It's okay. the sort of thing where, to me, it's that Leon Rose is not ready to fire Tom Thibodeau. He's, He's just not. And there may come a point where he says, ah, Tom, like we did the best we could. We've given you the tools. It's just not working out. We need to go in a different direction. I don't think it needs to necessarily be because James Dolan does exactly what he did uh, years ago when he basically, what was it? When he went to um, Grunwald and with Van Gundy and, and um, or, no, he didn't go to Grunwald. He, he basically, he gave check. It's the option of you can fire yes, Grunwald yes, or yes, you yes. can fire Van Gundy. Yeah. And then never mind, it's going to be Grunwald. Like, I, I don't foresee that being the case. He seems to be hands off. I'm going to take it that way. But okay. it's just because of that, I think it's it's Leon having to come to the realization that his good friend is not equipped to do the job. And as of right now, while I and several other fans feel like he's not up to task, Leon Rose doesn't feel that way. It sucks. It sucks, but what what, I, what can we do about it? If they, especially if they're winning games. Like I, my last point on this, and then we can move on. My suspicion is that the front office, and I think this is backed up by Ian's reporting, which is that Leon is fiercely. I, to, to me, when I read Leon Rose is fiercely loyal to Tom Thibodeau, here's and some other things that I feel like have either been reported or I've just heard. Here's how I've pieced this together. I think. They know they need to make a change up to the roster. That's again, that's my feeling. That's just my one one man's opinion. They feel like they need to make a change to the roster, perhaps a substantial change. I'm not talking about a star trade. I'm talking about a substantial change. And they are, you know, those trades don't get made generally until well, because no trades get made before December 15th. That's just the reality of the situation. I feel like they are trying to just hold the fort for a little while longer until such time where they could make the move that they want to make to get the get the roster to a place where they like it and they are just trying to hold off until that time and trying to give and if they could hold off until that time they could at least give Thibodeau rightly or wrongly justifiably or unjustifiably an opportunity to coach a roster that I believe the front office feels like makes a more a little bit more sense and that Tibbs probably feels like makes more sense. That is my opinion. That is what I think is going on. And I, for one, will just say very clearly, I would be curious to see what he could do with a slightly adjusted roster. That's it. No, I agree. And I'm actually, I'm sort of writing something and it's, it's, I've gotten a lot of my thoughts out, but it's the sort of thing where it's like, look at what happened last season, right? The Knicks tried to be buyers, even though they were having just a terrible season. Like it, it felt, worse than this one because it, in a lot of ways it was. Um, yeah. I, I, I believe that. I think the impact of Jalen Brunson has made this season even with lo- the losses far more enjoyable than it was last year when it was, you know, what are we going to do about Kemba Walker and this and that and just everything going on. But they tried to get a player like Karis LeVert. They tried to get a player like CJ McCollum. They were trying to be buyers. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I'm sure there are fans who were saying like, oh, I don't want Karis LeVert. Good news. I didn't want him either. And I'm glad the Knicks didn't get him. Uh, I didn't want CJ McCollum. I was hesitant because the Knicks didn't really have the, you know, the picks in order to get it done where I felt like, well, what are you saving up for? They have more of a luxury to get something like that done. And that's the prism that I'm kind of going back to. Where it's like, if you view the Knicks as it's dumb that they're trying to win games. Cool. I get it. But in, in the real world, they are trying to win games. And if they're trying to win games and if they can find a way to upgrade the roster, in a certain way that doesn't hurt them really in the long term, and they're able to keep building. That's important. Uh, you know, we can talk more about that when the deadline comes along. But yeah. I'm with you in that. I think that they Maybe earlier. It could be. I mean, listen. I do feel that this roster is better than given credit for. I really do, um, and I think it's the sort of thing where I look at a lot of the players who have disappointed on this team, and it's just like. When so many of them disappoint, at a certain point, I look around. And it's like, well, how is it that everyone is kind of a shell of themselves? 
right? Like I look at, again, like I look at someone like Evan Fournier and a few months ago he was balling out and uh, granted different league. I understand, but for team France, he did a really phenomenal job. He comes to New York and, and it's just, just doesn't have it. There, there are a lot of other players who just, they do not look like themselves. And so, and I'm happy to talk about this because I was listening to the post game and uh, for the Mavs game and kudos to you. Cause that was a, a marathon, a two-parter. I, it was a lot. And you know, you have to deal with your own emotions and everything that's going on. There's a lot of emotions flow. It was, it was, but so I, as I was listening, I kind of jotted some notes down to think about a lot of this and, and run it by you and have some sort of a discussion. Okay. Um, it's the sort of thing where like you've spoken frequently about the Donovan Mitchell deal, not coming to fruition. And it's timely because yeah. the Knicks beat the team that Donovan Mitchell's currently on. Yeah. And you've used, uh, you've said collateral damage a lot. Yep. And I don't know, man, I don't know how much longer we can keep saying there was collateral damage when we just don't really know if there was collateral damage. Like The way I see it is first and foremost, yeah, this is a business. This was certainly a more publicized trade. The Knicks had the opportunity to make the deal and a lot of the other stuff doesn't get leaked for a couple months. I hear that. Yep. Completely agree with you on that. But like RJ Barrett has 107 million reasons why not to sulk about the fact that he almost went to Utah. He does. A lot of these guys were in the discussions, but then were taken out of it. To me, it just, I give a lot of credit to the fact that the Knicks have looked good offensively as they've looked poor on defense. It just doesn't, it's hard for us to prove that it was collateral damage that's bleeding into the into this team. I I that's can't prove I, I can't prove a damn thing. What I do know, because it's been reported and credit to your own Weissman, he's done a lot of the a lot of the reporting in this area, is that this front office from the day that they took over, maybe not explicitly with the Kentucky stuff, maybe not explicitly with the CAA stuff, but just generally has made this organization out to be a family um, far more than a business. And that is a road they decided to go. Like we heard about, you know, worldwide West jumping up on the table. Got to, got to get quick. Right. And all that's wonderful. All that's great. It's all well and good to try to restore some semblance of, of internal cohesion to a franchise that has missed it sorely. What I don't believe you could do, and this is where I think they've erred, is then do a 180 and basically, you know, tow that party line until it's no longer convenient for you. Because then, then you're a different type of family. Having grown up in Staten Island, I know all about those families. Uh, Because then you're the one who's putting a bullet in somebody's back of somebody's head the minute their envelope's a little light. And that's the type of family that I think Leon Rose and company are kind of looking like right now, where they purported to be. Their employees? What? They're murdering their employees? Well, I mean, they were willing to ship them off to fucking Utah. If that's, that's worse than death. I, it's I mean, a tomato, but yeah, I, I hear you. I, I mean, but no, but like, I, I, I'm, I'm being a little bit as you see here, but at the same time, like, you, you can't. There are there are, look everybody every play, NBA player knows it's a business right every NBA player knows that but they I think part of their whole shtick and I'm yes I'm calling it shtick has been to try to make the Knicks under this regime out to be something more than that and by the way the other reason why that's difficult and this goes right into the tips thing my impression of other NBA teams and correct me if I'm wrong is that there is something of a separation between church and state. There's the front office and the front office has to make the hard decisions and they're back there and whatever on the court in the locker room. That's different. That's where the family exists in other NBA teams. And the, and the head coach can credibly look at his players and say, look, they're going to do what they're going to do. Where us here, we have each other's backs. We, we don't have to like, let them do what they're going to do. All we have to, to to fall back on at the end of the day is and look in the mirror is ourselves. Here, <laughs> it's a little different because we know Tommy Tom Tom has a prominent voice over there in the front office. And I bet you if reports leaked that Tom wanted to ship RJ and whoever else off to Utah, well, I bet it got back to 
some players in the locker room. So, like, again, to me, it all factors together. I'm not trying to absolve Thibodeau of any blame here, but I'm not going to I'm not going to back off of the collateral damage point because I, I really do think it plays a role in how some of these some of these games have unfolded. That's all. But is it the collateral damage or is it just players being done with tips? Like it, the reporting has also been that after that Nets game, players were very much like there, there was a change in tone for a lot of the players and a lot of the people in the organization. And one of the things you, one of the things you mentioned was you said, it's not like the front office gets to play fast and loose the entire roster during trade negotiations over the summer. And then when training camp gets here, Oh, it's on coach to get these guys motivated to play hard, but it literally is. That's their job. Their job is to field a better roster. Their job is to find star talent because to me, People talk about like the Knicks don't have a plan, right? The plan for every single front office is to get star talent. Sure. How they go about it is different and unique for each one. You don't have to, you don't have to lose a ton of games in order to get good talent, right? Like, yes, there are ways where for other teams it works magically. It's it it it's why they should be doing, it, especially small market teams. But then I keep going back to you know the Clippers, the Heat, the Nets. How even the Lakers fell ass backwards into LeBron. They like, did. And that I'm not even including that in, with the other three teams. Like that is a very different situation. No, should include it. Well, but I mean, I guess in the sense of like the Lakers weren't trying to win. They were actively trying to lose games to keep their pick. And then LeBron was like, I don't care. I'm willing to take a sabbatical. It's cool. I'll do that. But in terms of like the big markets, it's harder to do that. In an ideal world, it'd be great. It'd be great to just like lean into something that's a legitimate full scale rebuild it's just not going to happen. It's not going to be the sort of thing where you take it back and you then are like, well, let's scrap the last two years and three off seasons that we've had. No, I'm, and let's try. And I know you're not arguing that fair. by the way, yeah. I know you're not arguing, but that's just kind of where I just don't understand it because it, to me, a team that's, and these aren't your words, just in general as I'm kind of as coming to mind, sure. a team that's on like a treadmill to mediocrity or a treadmill to nowhere. We've talked about them. It's like the bulls, the Timberwolves, um, hell, even to an extent, the Wizards. Yeah, the uh, Knicks like, are not that. They're not, right. And, and I, to be, I was clear, I know you're not saying that. Yeah. It's just like, as I see fans get more frustrated as the Knicks kind of teeter-totter between winning and losing games and they just lean into being average, it's how do you make these improvements? And the Knicks saw a marquee player and they determined that the price, for better or for worse, was just too much. It's going to happen. and if, the right if decision. Right. So, but the way I see it is if that is probably the right decision, then I don't think there is this collateral damage that occurs quite in the same way that you do as all. We are, we are, I think the we're talking about building a contender as if there is a right and a wrong path and the Knicks were stupid and chose the wrong path. no, to build it like there are five or six contending teams at any given point, which is to say, by definition, that 80 percent of the league were whereabouts is not contenders. And if you're at the talent deficit that the Knicks were at when Leon Rose took over, it's really fucking hard to get from point A to point B, let alone point C, which is actually winning the whole damn thing. So to say, like, they chose poorly and thus that does it. No, it's hard. We're, we're, we're criticizing something that is difficult to do. So I, I want to acknowledge that. Sure. The, the only, I, but I do want to go back for half a second on the, on the Thibodeau point you've made, which is that it, it, it's tough for me to sit here and be like, well, the team tuned him out after that Nets game, because from that Nets point, Nets game forward, as we've talked about, they had the best defensive rating in the league from that point to the end of the year. And this season, without a certain player on the floor, they have a defensive for it's over almost 400 minutes now with that Julius Randall hasn't played. They have a defensive rating that is four points per, per hundred possessions better than the best defense in the league. Again, you got to coach the guys on your roster. You got to figure out if you have a, a high usage guy, got to figure out how to make it work, right? He's on your team. But, but I just, I say that to, 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 to again, go back to, I am just curious. What would it look like with a, perhaps significant tweak to the roster. That's all. Am I saying that Tibbs needs to keep his job? No, 
I, I don't, again, I don't care at this point. I really don't. But yeah. I hear you. That's where, that's where I'm at. I get it. And I think he's still going to get that opportunity to be able to, you know, I coach think. a better team in the sense of the a Knicks different have, team. What do you mean? But different team. I, I, I don't I don't know if they're going to be better or worse, but I think they're we, I think you will get a chance to coach a team that is somewhat materially different than the one he's coaching now. Yeah, well, they're going to try to make a talent upgrade, as we talked about, and yes. I would imagine they'll try to do it before the deadline, as they've done every year. Last two years, at least. We'll see from there. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey guys, quick break to tell you about WinBet, the official sports book of Nick's Film School. Ready to win money and boost your odds? WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. We're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play. Exclusive rewards are right at your fingertips with Win Rewards on WinBet. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports from the NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, golf, MMA, the WNBA, college football, and more. Great promos, odds, and payouts are happening right now at WinBet. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. Ready to play? Sign up today to receive a special offer. Bet 100, win 100. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com. That's wynnbet.com to start winning. Download, bet, win. It's that simple. You want to talk about the benchings real quick? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so Derek Rose, Cam Reddish, both benched on um, Sunday. Uh, let's talk about Rose first because I think that's simpler. Uh, I yeah, you have to really listen to Tibbs' post game comments on Rose because he gave his like typical like non answer answer. If anybody hasn't heard it, I'm not going to try to do a Tibbs impression here, but it was he 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 was not 
committed to it wasn't like he's like, yeah, this was just the second night of a back to back. He'll be back normal. This was much more wishy washy where Derek Rose is concerned. He was like kind of implying that like it was a back to back thing, but it was more like, ah, we'll see where we're at moving forward. So I don't know. I for one and I'm not a deuce guy as anybody who's listened to me knows. I, I just don't know why Derek Rose needs to play any more minutes for this for this team. Um, I I don't really have anything else to say about it other than that. What, what, what are your thoughts? That's where I'm at. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No. It's <laughs> that's it. Keeping it simple. Very much so. I I don't understand the need. the The camp thing is more interesting. Um, it's really hard because if you take Tibbs at his word, which we should never do, by the way, uh, it didn't have to. It wasn't about the Dallas game, right? He said, "I'm not going to put that on one guy." Um, I would, if anybody has it in them, go back and rewatch the the cam minutes during the Dallas game. It was very bad. And it wasn't just like he missed some shots and like he missed a rotation. There was almost an overt egregious effort being made on his part to like, he, I mean, he, he, he looked like a guy he was, he was playing like a guy who was checked out. Should that be the deciding factor, you know, like he got hurt and like essentially lost his job. I mean, he was, he led the team in minutes in the, I'm not counting the golden state game that he got hurt in. Cause he only played 25 minutes that game. He got hurt in the game, the three previous games, he played more minutes than any Nick on it on the roster. And then he got hurt and then he went away for a while and Quentin Grimes took his job and he came back and he's like, I, so I do have sympathy for him. And I, more importantly, I like, I have sympathy for anybody out there. Who's like, this is a talented player. Where we're at as a franchise, he should be getting minutes. I have sympathy for those people as well. I and yet, for reasons that I guess I don't, I can't even properly vocalize. I can't sit here and hem and haw like and go crazy about the fact that he didn't get off the bench. And that's a, I guess that's a me thing. I, but again, I'm I'm curious where your thoughts are. I'm very curious to see how the rest of this week or this week unfolds for Cam because yeah, you know, it was like I was sitting there thinking, why isn't Cam? checked in yet he barely played against the Mavs and then he just didn't get in and then the starters came back and it's like all right I guess he's not playing in the first half so barring foul trouble or injury he's probably not playing in the second half and then he didn't and um yeah I keep thinking about Cam and his place here long term and I just don't know I you know I just I do you at least I think I do but that's the thing it's like he 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 plays well at the beginning of the season after an entire year long point where we're like, all right, the Knicks are either going over the cap to resign him or they're, they're trading him as a leverage play. And it's going to be one of the two, right? So it's just the sort of thing where I'm trying to think about, I think about the quickly rumors as well. I think about cam. I want to ask you about that. Yeah. And I just feel like the quickly thing makes sense. If the reason you're trading cam is because you don't, you'd rather give the time to someone you've drafted in this upcoming draft, then pay cam for three to four years at X million dollars a year, which is, I mean, it's let's say hypothetically, right? Just ballpark it. Let's say he's making four years, $50 million. And let's say the next draft, someone who's making, I don't know, four years, $15 million dollars over four years in that same Whatever. time frame. Yeah. Right. Like that's, there's a difference of in this hypothetical of $35 million. I just don't know if the Knicks feel comfortable committing money to cam reddish, long-term and I want to see him play because I want to see him play. I, you know, I don't think this is like, Hey, we can't play him because we're trying to basically just get to December 15th. And then from that point, he's not injured. We don't have to worry about it. And I, I don't think yeah. it's that, but I just think that they've given Tibbs a certain batch of players and he decides, I mean, like we talked about the crimes, Grimes didn't play and he was situational. Well, like, it, it just seems like there's a rotating thing of, guys in the doghouse for reasons I don't really understand. And then well, he gets on. out of that's, it. And, that's unfair. We, no, no, I'm, I'm not saying it in an unfair way. I'm just saying like there are situations for some players where I can't understand why they are not playing more prominently or they're not seeing the court. I don't mean that as a slight against Tibbs. It's well, more just, I, I just don't know why that player isn't, didn't see minutes that time. Isn't the simplest explanation. What, what, what law is that? The simplest explanation is usually the correct one. One of us should know that. Oh, come on. I, 
The simplest explanation. Andrew's googling it right now. The simplest explanation is usually the correct one. I'm not phrasing it correctly. Occam's razor. Thank you. Okay. Three Internet. idiots here. Nobody could think of Internet. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> simplest explanation is usually the correct one. It seems pretty clear, not only from this year, but from the previous. Uh, what is it? One, two, uh, seven and a half seasons that Tom Thibodeau was coach. He likes an eye man rotation. And I even go, I'll go beyond Tibbs. I mean, go and see what coaches do, go and see what coaches do in the playoffs, go and just listen to any coach who's ever talked about this. Like a coach likes a smaller rotation. That is what coaches prefer. I, I think we could all agree on that. And he, and that, and that has certainly borne itself out with this roster this year. So, if this organization is in the business of winning games this year, which as we've discussed, they are. And the coach believes that set, you know, taking it down to nine men is the best way to win games this year. Well, then it's as simple as I, I, that I will take about his word for what he said after the game. He's like, we like it at nine. We're trying to figure out who the right nine guys are. And it's been a process to try to figure out who those nine guys should be. And I'm not saying he's done a great job figuring it out. And I think it's kind of fucked up what was going on with Grimes, although Grimes seemed to take it well. Now what's going on with Cam, Cam not taking it maybe so well, but like that's, that's where they're, I, I think it's as simple as that. I, I, I don't know what else needs to be said. Well, and I know you're going to say, you know, about taking him at his word, but didn't he say like a week or two ago about 10 man rotation? How that's where he's comfortable with? Did he say, I miss that. If he said that, I, I'll take your word for it. I thought he had said, I could be wrong, but I thought he had said something okay. along those lines. So it was a surprise to see him roll with a nine man rotation. Um, and again, it's like, it, it just feels like minutes are not allocated in a way that seems right sometimes this not even talking about this specific game but like when rj's not on which has been a lot well, the, of times this year then and cam happens to be playing well rj still gets the benefit of the doubt and i think that also costs the knicks you know a win or two here or there maybe maybe the leash on rj i can't i can't prove that that's the thing no I just listen I'm, he's been I'm bad happy. for certain times and cam's been better would have at least liked to see cam who knows what the result is I mean, there are definitely some games this year where had R- had RJ Barrett been replaced by literally anyone on the active roster, you could make the argument that they would have had a better chance at, at winning, and they've lost some close games. Um, real, real, real quick before we move on, something I'm very excited about. Um, I made a statement on the last post game, which um, I said I would be. I think I said I'd be shocked, shocked or surprised, whatever, one or the other, that if after the trade deadline. The Knicks had not moved at least two of Derrick Rose, Cam Reddish, and Emmanuel quickly. Do you agree or disagree with that statement? At least two of them? At least two of them. Um, I'll say I agree, but I really, I just, you know, we'll, we'll save this for more for later, but I just don't see them moving quickly in the season. Okay. I just can't. I can't say God, that. I hope you're right. I believe me. I hope I'm. Right too on that, but um, yeah, I just just can't see it, especially for a team that's really hurting defensively. And what Quick provides you, I feel like you need to bring in. The only reason you do it, in my opinion, is if you brought in someone who is better defensively than he is as a way to consolidate the roster. Other than that, um, there's no reason. Like that to me is is kind of a tanking move. It's not tanking because it's not, but his defense. Is much needed for a team well, what, that, that was like what twenty fourth as of today. Let's save it for for I have well, listen. Yeah. Let's save it for our next section. I have a feeling it might come up. Um, it's game ball time, um, in which we give out a game ball to a player deserving of it. Uh, our candidates are Jalen Brunson, Quentin Grimes. Uh, you did you forget the Pistons game, which happened this week? Fine. Julius Randle. The first half of the, the Mavericks game that you quite applauded on. He was wonderful. He was, yes. He was wonderful. Yeah. So that's now go. a game and a half. Fine. Was, there you go. Great. That's all. Ride Emmanuel, with Randle, baby. It's all yours, Jeremy. You. Emmanuel quickly. Mitchell Robinson uh, did have a great game this week. Mike White. I thought the Jets lost. He wasn't the problem. We have a quarterback, John. Great. I'm excited for you. Yes. I, I'm so They were out 20 to three. And 
in the in the past with with the backup or I guess technically the inactive quarterback, I would have just been watching red zone the rest of the day. You know how fulfilling it was to be like, you know what? Let me see what Stick we got. Around. And they yeah. they had like three chances to win it at the end of the game because I have a quarterback. Good, good for you. Yes. Um, and then finally, pasta. Shout out to anyone watching the post game live stream from the Cleveland game. Uh, Jeremy Cohen, your pick. Uh, can I just pull a Giants Commanders and just go for <laughs> a tie for multiple of them and then leave you? No, Julius Randall. No, because so it's a tie no. between Quentin Grimes, Emmanuel Quickly, yeah. Quentin, uh, Jalen Brunson, and Mitchell Robinson. Got exactly. Um, lost, lost, by the way, just out of the thunder in oh, Atlanta. Mm, Everything's fine. Yep. Um, I'm going to give it to Emmanuel Quickly. Okay. That's just, it's, it's that easy. It's some great games. I mean, you know, Obviously, one he did not <laughs> did not do as well in, um, but he's he's starting to look like himself. Uh, I'll steal a stat from tomorrow's quickly sent uh, tomorrow. But as you're listening to this today's Tuesday's quickly centric newsletter uh, over the last dozen games, so half the season, quickly shooting fifty six point one percent from two point range. Um, I know he's taken a lot of threes. He's missed a lot of threes, um, specifically spot up threes. It is. One of all the baffling shit about this team this year, Emmanuel quickly, and really this is since his rookie year, because he's hit 46% of his spot ups or catch and shoot threes as a rookie. He's hitting 26% of catch and shoot threes this year. It is just beyond baffling. Yeah. I I don't I still don't expect it to continue because I just I, I don't, but um Emmanuel Quickly is really good. That would have been my kick pick. Um okay. You know what? Jalen Brunson gets this thing every goddamn week as he should because he's the best player on the team. I'm giving it to Quentin Grimes. And I don't care what Quentin Grimes shooting stats were for this year. Watching Quentin Grimes play defense is just... I think it might be the... Other than watching Jalen Brunson work in the paint, I think, and all the respect to Emmanuel Quickly, who was an incredible defensive player, watching Quentin Grimes play defense might be right up there with my favorite, just favorite things to watch about this team and um, you know he all due respect to J.B. Bickerstaff as J.B. Bickerstaff said all due respect to the Knicks we just missed a bunch of shots all due respect to J.B. Bickerstaff you got some guys on the Knicks that were making your guys life difficult and I think Quentin Grimes was first and foremost among them Um, he had just some of the best possessions you could have in terms of defending Donovan Mitchell who is a Tough guy to defend. Look up his stats this year. So, yeah, my game bowl will go to Quentin Grimes. That one-on-one with Donovan Mitchell is just a thing. You just, you just you, gorgeous. You can't do any better. And um, 25th pick, by the way. And he's going to start hitting shots. Yeah. Like that, um, that I, I'm very confident in. Okay. Detention. My, which I will pick first. First name on the list, Tom Thibodeau. These are the candidates, by the way. Uh, Cam Reddish, RJ Barrett, Julius Randle, Mitchell Robinson, or Jacob DeGrom. I don't really want the first pick here. Um, and maybe you should start winning. Ooh, that was Jesus. Really? Sorry. Yeah, fuck it. Uh, I'm giving the attention to Julius Randle. We're 24 games into the season. When Julius Randle plays, the Knicks have the worst a defensive rating that is worse than the worst defensive rating in the league. Um, he is in the first percentile league-wide in terms of on-off differential for defense, um, ahead of only two players on the Memphis Grizzlies. His defense continues to be the thing that makes this watching this basketball team like just hard on some nights because you're rooting for a team and you're watching a guy who, and and credit to Benji, all the credit in the world to Benji because he was on Twitter today, fighting the good fight, trying to be fair in his criticism of Julius Randle. And he made the point and I agree with him. I agree with this point. I don't think Julius Randle doesn't care. I think Julius Randle does care. I think Julius Randle wants to win. I think he cares about winning. I think when he goes out on the court, he wants to do the things that will help his team win basketball games. But I'm going to steal Benji's term. It is an emotional immaturity with this basketball player that is the likes of which you would expect to find in a middle school student. 
And I'm not being facetious when I say that because he has just absolutely the least amount of emotional um, maturity of any basketball of any prominent basketball player. Make that distinction in terms of like how what he is supposed to mean to this team than anybody I've ever watched as a Nick fan or quite frankly, probably in any sport. Um, and it's really maddening. And uh, the fact that their defense just magically transforms into the best defense in the league when he sits down. That's again, it's, it's not a coincidence at some point. So, um, and um, but last thing he could do it. He could be better because we see him be better because there are the clips that exist. I'm not even talking about the Denver game at the end of the Cavs game. There he is fighting around a pick, forcing a, a Kevin love travel. Like, we see those plays too. He has it in him. Just do it. Just do it. So sorry, Julius, you're in detention. Still fair rebuttal at the very least. So that was, it was fair. Um, I think top Thibodeau's uh, coaching in the Mavericks game speaks for itself. So I'm going to extend an olive branch to Mets fans and go with Jacob DeGrom. Thank you, Jeremy. No problem, Andrew. Giddy up. Yeah, I, I. So I haven't like publicly said anything about this. I didn't yeah. want to take the podcast to do it, but it does help that the Mets quickly turned around and replaced a guy that's pitched 150 innings in the last two seasons. Which, for those who don't follow baseball, isn't a lot. Um, they replaced an injury-prone, aging poorly uh, ace that I really actually did want to stay on the Mets. Um, they replaced him with the reigning. A.L. Cy Young, who just had a 175 ERA and just won the World Series. Uh, I, John, it's funny that all of these names that I'm about to mention, Max Scherzer, Jacob deGrom, uh, J.S. Justin Verlander are all names from when you followed baseball. I was about to say, I know who all these people are. Right. So it's funny that the Mets are investing in guys that like Verlander and Scherzer were teammates a decade ago in Detroit, went to the World Series, beat the Yankees in a playoff series. In Detroit. Um, wow. I'm not, that wasn't even I, a shot, Jeremy. Mm, I was just saying, mm, like, this is how long. Stray. No, Jeremy, no. the lineup <laughs> that the Yankees featured had Robinson Cano on it. Like, don't you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's how long we have to go. We can go back with the, the these two teammates. So, as far as the Mets are concerned, just be one of the six and you'll be fine. I wanted DeGrom to um, retire a Met, and it's becoming more and more clear he wanted like most of my friends that lean a certain way politically to get out of New York and go to a state that votes a certain way where restrictions are different and less, um, less honoring of CDC guidelines. So, you know what? Enjoy Texas, Jacob. I hope you enjoy irrelevance. This would be like if when Porzingis got traded, he went to the King. So like, okay, I guess we'll hear about you when you leave that team and go play for a relevant team, you know, so, not even traded, also. just signed. Right. Well, well, signed. Yeah. So yeah. Like, that's the thing. I don't have a long history of like in, in Nick's world of a guy leaving our team to sign elsewhere, because it's like if you want to compare this to Katie, like the, the one Compton someone gave you like this is like when Katie and Kyrie went to Brooklyn because they went to an irrelevant team. And it's like, no, like those two guys were still arguably in the prime of their career. There's an argument, a non-emotional argument that Jacob DeGrom's best years, best years, not like no I, more good years, are behind him. And I, I am talking you? myself slowly into it being better off that five years of Jacob DeGrom is not as good as two years of Justin Verlander. Can I give you, an, like, not? this is not a perfect comp, but like if, let's say, after the 97 playoffs, I know he wasn't actually a free agent then, I don't think, but if Patrick Ewing left, you know, as I don't know how old Patrick Ewing was then, he was probably about 33 or 34, right? If he walked, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's... No, you know what? It's 98. It's if after the 98 Maybe playoffs, 98, he walked yeah, sure. Because he missed most of that year with an injury. There you just go. like Jacob DeGrom just missed. So like, where I've landed on this, couple years ago, another name you'll remember, John, Madison Bumgarner. I remember who he is. You know that name? Pitched for the San Francisco Giants. Giants, won three World Series for that team. A legend in San Francisco where... I haven't heard his name in a while. What's he doing? Well, what he did was he left San Francisco for a gigantic check from the Arizona Diamondbacks. He has been terrible since. Another name that you'll remember, Tom Glavin, 
a brave legend. Well, that I I know how that story ended. Yeah, left at the age of thirty-seven to go to the New York Mets. That's yeah, a little highest different. Degrom's a little younger. Than he is that. Randy Johnson. Randy Johnson. When he was I, know, I know that story. Very but that's well. my point. This history of aged pitchers leaving teams that they were beloved by to go to another team because there is a check available is actually in the Mets' favor of letting this okay. guy walk. Listen, I'm welcome, Justin Verlander. Myself. <laughs> Justin, Which is Verlander the is at least, Justin Verlander is at least it's known we're paying him yes. a lot of money Listen, for a shorter contract. I don't. I don't follow baseball closely anymore, but I know that dude has aged wonderfully. And there's reason to believe that he's going to give them his some nice years. Most recent season, he was the voted the unanimous AL Cy Young. Like, yeah. that's the thing about Verlander. This isn't like, well, maybe he can recapture what he yeah. had with like when the Mets traded for Cano. It's like, no, like he is at current time, the best available healthy pitcher on the market. There he's go. not on the Astros. So thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> All right. On that note, let us finish this off. Uh, predictions presented by our very good friends at WinBet. Um, also, shout out to our friends on the KFS pregame show who continue to make some awesome betting and sweating and picks. B- betting uh, and sweating picks. Or make terrible ones that you can fade consistently since we're on <laughs> a bit of a cold streak right now. But, you know, either way. Go do that uh, with our friends at WinBet. Download the WinBet app or visit www.winbet.com. That's W-Y-N-N, two N's, B-E-T.com to start winning. Sign up today to receive a special offer. Uh, bet $100. Win $100. Download, bet, win. Jeremy, I have a fearless prediction before you make your fearless predictions. Okay. You ready? Yes. I'm going to win this week. Okay. I think you have a good shot. I don't know how to take that. Uh, I'm, only, I'm being serious. I think you have a good shot. There's there's a couple question marks with this game. It, that's that's why I'm giving myself the better for the doubt. Three games. Uh, Wednesday, home, Atlanta, ESPN. Mm, we'll see. Friday at Charlotte to play the fearsome Charlotte Hornets, who I don't think have done a lot of winning recently. And then Sunday, back home, friendly confines, six o'clock start uh, to play the Kings, who are a good basketball team. They are. I'm actually a little nervous. I kind of envy you on this one because you get to just take the other one. But um, I got to tell you, Fortune favors the bold. Two and one. That's that's what I would have done. Interesting. I think you've... uh, you know, you have a good chance to beat up a Hawks team that's kind of going through its own funk. Hornets, you can't take them lightly. Pushed overtime against you at MSG. Kings are really good. Light the beam. The way I see it as well uh, is the three-point shooting. The Hawks don't take a lot of threes. Uh, John, do you happen to know in terms of accuracy the bottom three teams in the NBA at this very moment for right uh, now? three-point shooting? I know the last. Knicks are last. Correct. Uh, the Lakers, I believe, have emerged from the bottom three. I believe they're no longer in the bottom three. That is accurate as well. Uh, you just gave me another one. The Hawks. Mm-hmm. The 28th. Who's 29th. 29th. Yes, Andrew. I, I know it. I, I think guess. I know it. Would, what it, it? Be, would it be the Charlotte Hornets? Which would it would be the Charlotte Hornets. To the conversation okay. we're having. It would be. There you yes. go. So, um, Yeah. It's them and the Kings have a red hot offense. Good for them. Good for the Kings. Happy for them. You know, I I'm I'm pretty split between picking one and two and three and zero. Oh. Um, I think one and two is a safe bet. Do you? I do. I see you're trying to goad me into this. So can I talk no. this out? Can I can I talk this out for both of you? Sure. Yes. So first of all, I want to throw a suggestion at the end of this from a listener regarding the predictions. So stay tuned for that. But I do think this week lines up well for a Tibbs coached defense where you're a lot, you're playing drop and you're like Sunday might be different, but it's Sunday evening. We just saw what happens when a team comes into New York City on a Sunday evening to play. There might be some of that with the West Coast going east with Sacramento. So three and zero makes sense. However, John, no. the moment the Knicks lose against the Hawks, the week is over. So if you wanted to keep the week interesting, 
you go one and two. And then if they split those two, we're sitting here Sunday night playing for the week like we were last night. You know, the Hawks came into their building and started all of the bad juju um, a little bit more than a month ago. I screw it. I'll go three. No, right. I'll, I'll, I'll get, I'll get frisky. So to be clear, the same situation plays out. If they start the week two and out. that Sunday night decides who wins predictions this week yeah. as is tradition. Yeah. So actually tradition. <laughs> take the, the Hawks and the Hornets game to the bank as a uh, money line. Knicks. Yes. Based on how it's <laughs> wait, know, okay. yeah. win back. So, so a listener suggested that we should have you guys make your predictions and then not like not tell each other, like tell me separately and then say what they are on the air. Oh. now because that might make it competitive. I think what I would respond with to anybody because I this might be a popular opinion is that this segment is very much like whose line is it anyway, where the rules are made up and the points don't matter. This is a way to preview the upcoming week in a fun way. It's also for me, actually very hilarious that John is the 2020 jets and is starting the season. zero and six Jesus on his way to Owen 16 potentially. So maybe you'll get that late season win that prevents you from getting Trevor Lawrence. Do I get one million if I finish this? <laughs> you get entered into a lottery. That's the thing. The, the, fortunately, it works the other way. Oh, Jesus. You get you get enter into the lottery and then you get RJ Barrett instead of John. But Lawrence, Lawrence isn't even that good, right? Uh, there's, well, here's the he's thing. Better. He's, he's better than Zach Wilson. <laughs> well, I, so am I. Low bar. Yes. Um, he's, I, it's, it's complicated. I think he's not as, he's not the prince that was promised the way that Jets fans yeah. were reacting that night, yeah. um, but he's he's better than the, okay. the guy they drafted at second. However, right. Mike White, I would argue, is not more talented than either one, but has played better than both. Well, I'm excited to watch more Mike White. Um, I have been watching a little bit of the Jets. Okay, we got our we got any hockey talk before we get out of here. Um, Rangers won. Rangers won. Yes, <laughs> six four baby. My uh, my uh, future father in law and my future cousin in law are at the game tonight, or were at the game tonight. So. Go Rangers. Good, okay. Go Rangers. There you that go, suffices. That's that's uh that's all the hockey talk for you today. Last out of market or I guess out of sport talk, Jeremy. Yeah. I hope you get your wish. You hope I get my wish? That the that you don't have to go through what I went through on Friday night. First of all, like I was like for those on Patreon, you know, I was so sick on Friday into Saturday. And I woke up to be like, all right, let me like oh. try to make a night out of this. And then Jacob deGrom got sent to well went to texas and i just took more nyquil and went back to bed um i hope you don't have to experience aaron judge leaving anytime soon i would like him to stay overall mm-hmm. I, I understand the business decision i would it would hurt but i would get it if he walked it's a lot of years deal with it but i know we we're talking about off air but mm-hmm. honestly if if he stays from a fan enjoyment perspective i would like to see him there will be a part of me that's very sad to see him in another jersey. Mm-hmm. So, and you know who the Yankees open with next year? Who? Oh, they open Francisco? at home against the San Francisco Giants. Oh, wow. No, so Aaron Judge might be he, Aaron Judge. It sounds like no matter what, will be at Yankee Stadium on opening day next season. Who knows? Maybe he'll sign with the Texas Rangers. Why would Why would I'm you do? Kidding. Well, you know what? The way the Texas <laughs> Rangers are talking, and I didn't talk about it, but the way Aaron Judge is politics are reportedly maybe texas is the place for mm-hmm. him to go i w- i did think it was funny uh, late saturday night i was wondering are we gonna get like all three of us i lose the grom you lose judge and john loses tibbs all on the same weekend oh my god <laughs> i was wondering Don't do that if you're headed for that <laughs> Don't do that to me yeah yeah but alas uh, only two are gone so far one are gone so far. So, so far, yeah, one. Yeah. He's not fired yet. All right. Maybe next week. Uh, thank you, uh, Andrew Claudio. Thank you, Jeremy Cohen. And of course, thank you, our wonderful listeners. We appreciate you guys so much. Um, don't forget, if you do the show, go ahead and give us a uh, five-star rating wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, give a little review. Those things help us out. And uh, we look forward to talking to you again soon. I got an, uh, We got an episode Dropping tomorrow with me speaking to Fred Katz. Yes, because I was I wasn't sure if I could say it. 
which I'm sure will be an interesting conversation because I've I've been talking to to Fred offline a bunch, and uh, I, I'm I'm hopeful to get him to share some opinions on this show. So that'll be fun. Uh, until then, we will talk to you soon. Peace out. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.